Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Stay tuned as Greg Prince brings the Catholic newsmakers to you. Wherever it's happening in the diocese, you'll hear about it on Western New York Catholic Weekly. We're going to pick up again this week with our immigration topic. You may remember a couple weeks back we heard from Deacon Don Weigel, and we kind of talked about, okay, you know, given the the arc of the um, news stories, etc., really since even before the election, uh, people talking about immigration refugees. So, so uh, Deacon Don and I kind of tried to get at what does the Catholic Church teach about immigration refugees? What is our response to that as a church? Um, we're going to delve even more deeply to that response end of things today by uh, talking about, okay, so what does the Catholic Church do actually do for immigrants and in terms of immigration and refugees. And uh, you will not be surprised to learn that we have two guests from Catholic Charities who are uh, have been doing this for a long time, and we uh, um, are, are really kind of the, the go-to folks in uh, Western New York in terms of um, immigration Assistance. Uh, the director of the the uh, immigration programs at Catholic Charities joins us, Anne Britton. Anne, welcome back. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much, Greg. Uh, Glad also, to be here. Also joining us uh, today is one of the case managers in the program, uh, Walter Wynn. And Walter, you uh, can almost speak personally to this topic today, right? Because you yourself are an immigrant. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, uh, I'm I'm originally from Burma. Uh, I'm a refugee, former refugee from Burma, and I was I was um, political volunteer political group in Thailand for ten years, and because of our military uh, uh, military leadership um, regime, um, military government take over on our bombers so we have to stay in Thailand for the uh, doing a political group in Thailand uh, for 10 years and become um, a political refugees in nine, uh, 2004 and we we came in 2005 into Buffalo so um, first uh, I arrived in Buffalo my agency is Indonesian Institute, and we live in Buffalo for um, 2004. And then I I have an opportunity to uh, to give a service with the Catholic Charity on 2007 as a case case manager. Okay, so I mean, so you've been at the other end now for a while in terms of helping other folks like yourselves. Yes, uh, yeah, that's why uh, I'm I'm really happy to do my job as a case manager so we can encourage to the, our clients uh, to give them an uh, uh, opportunity to give them an experience to live in Buffalo and give them a, um, uh, how to survive in the beginning of their life, you know. We when we came in in Buffalo, we don't have uh, many uh, refugees, Burmese refugees in Buffalo, so we have a lot of struggle. But our agency, a lot in Buffalo, every agency help to their clients for their finding the job, 
and give her ESL class and for the help for first came our refugee health assessment and teach us a lot of things for especially for the culture in here so for me for me and my family for especially for the culture shock in here and we have to struggle further by ourselves uh, and and help a lot from from the agency and that's why I really love to to do uh, as a case manager to help the people uh, who already have in a resettlement in in Buffalo. So what what we do is when when before they came and we have a case and we have to find them a apartment according for their uh, how many in household and we have to find apartment and inspect the apartment uh, is anything wrong or anything need to fix and we have to report to the landlord and we rent it for their family so after uh, before they came we have to set up apartment put furniture beds and everything and we have to uh, request for this uh, electric service gas service and we have to set up and the, before they arrive we have to prepare the meal for them and we meet at the airport with the interpreter or I, if I can speak in my own language so I, I can speak to them so make them welcome to them in at the airport and make them happy and because the first arrival the people is they want to see who is their, <laughs> well, their right, language sure, yeah right yeah yeah it makes sense so so make sure they understand who we are and we will take them a safe place all right we're going to get into the detail about how that all actually works and and how you manage to do all of those things at Catholic Charities. Walter Wynn is a case manager uh, at uh, Catholic Charities in, uh, in immigration uh, services there. Uh, the director, Ann Britton, also joins us. And Ann, um, I, I, I want to go back uh, um, and just maybe talk more to the broader picture. Um, th- this, this notion of um, – it kind of surprises me. A little bit because especially in Buffalo, when you look at the neighborhoods of Buffalo, almost all of them are defined by where immigrants came from to settle in Buffalo and western New York. So this isn't a new concept to this area. Um, so, so it surprises me kind of just the amount of play it's getting in the press and the news and and whatever else, because that's kind of how that we were founded as a country. But more importantly, for Catholic charities, this isn't new either, right? Greg, this isn't new at all. In fact, when Catholic Charities was incorporated in 1923, right in our incorporation papers, it says that the agency was founded to provide services to widows, orphans, immigrants, and their families. And... um, some people think that I was here in 23. It's not true, but I've been around <laughs> quite a while. Um, I, I've, been, I've been sitting behind this mic almost 30 years myself. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so so it really is one of our core missions. Um, and we have – we are the largest 
resettlement agency. There are three others in Buffalo. We are the largest. And we are an affiliate of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, which is there are nine um, national entities. And every refugee who enters the country legally who's gone through this process has to come in through one of these agencies. And the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops is the the largest. They bring in uh, approximately 28% of all the refugees that come into the country. So, yes, Catholic Charities, this is our history. Um, This is who we are. Um, Now, obviously, um, and and we talked uh, with Deacon Don about, you know, some of the Catholic teaching and and why that is. But in terms of the the U.S. bishops and just the, um, you know, the, the scope of of what they do in terms of bringing refugees in, working with refugees. Um, does part of that maybe have to do with uh, things like Catholic Relief Services and the fact that we're already working abroad with some of these populations? Well, yes and no. Okay. I mean, it's, um, Catholic Relief Services is focused overseas and providing services right. over there. So they are a separate entity. What where it comes into play is in terms of the Catholic mission in general. Yeah, you know, pr- uh, providing the beatitudes, living the beatitudes, and so whether we're welcoming a stranger in Burma or in Buffalo, you know, that's part of who we are, and and that's what we're called to do to take care of our brothers and sisters to welcome them, mm-hmm. um, and and so in, in to that respect, you know, it's the same as the Catholic hospitals. I mean, we're there to welcome people, to make them feel better, to help them heal. In the hospital, it's a physical ailment. ailment. With refugees, they all come in with some degree of trauma. What they have lived through is incredible. I don't know how many of us born in the U.S. people would have survived having gone through the situations that they've gone through. It's heartbreaking. And yet they come, they're resilient, they get here, they want to start over. This is an opportunity to regain control of their lives. And as Catholic charities, we're there to help them. As Catholic, we're there to help them. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, I, I wanted to ask, and um, uh, we're going to take a break in, in a moment here, but um, with regard – obviously, refugees are not the only immigrants to the – United States. There are still people that come here either to study or they or for job opportunities or or, or whatnot that are not refugees. Um, and I wanted to be sure that um, uh, we just mentioned that. And uh, uh, are you able to offer some assistance to folks who kind of show up here new and aren't sure what to do about things like you know health care and housing and, and whatnot? Catholic charities overall can help foreign-born. Um, our program, our funding is pretty much restricted to refugees. Oh, right. But we work hand-in-hand hand with our offices, again, in the neighborhoods you were talking about, the West Side, sure. South Buffalo. You know. So, yeah. you know, we have a certain expertise um, that we can share with our colleagues uh, in helping them so that somebody's not going to get turned away because they're a refugee or because they're an immigrant. It's, you know, here are the resources that are available. What can we do to help? It's one of the strengths that I always bring up whenever anybody's in for from Catholic Charities or to talk about um, 
Catholic Charities is the fact that um, it's such a broad network. You are so uh, you're so connected, not just within your own agency to all different services, but to kind of what everybody else is doing in Western New York. So if you can't provide it, you kind of know how to get it done, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and by the way, I wanted to mention to. Uh, to folks, um, of course, you know we had the big uh, appeal announcements a, a couple weeks ago before Easter, and uh, um, you know Catholic Charities. The appeal 2017 does run through June. Any of the material that we talk about today, just go to ccwny.org. All of the information is on the website there. It'll tell you how to uh, to get in touch with uh, immigration and refugee assistance, but also any of the other um, uh, any other programs you might be interested in with regard to Catholic Charities, and conveniently. You can donate to Catholic Charities online as well. So <laughs> ccwny.org is the website. We are going to take a short break. We'll be right back here on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Make your voice heard. Join the Catholic Action Network and speak out in support of the poor and vulnerable, the sick and elderly, the unborn, families and children. Sign up online at nyscatholic.org and click on Join the Network. That's nyscatholic.org. And visit the New York State Catholic Conference's Legislative Action Center. Read alerts on important legislative issues and email your state representative. Stay informed and strengthen the Catholic voice in New York. You'll find it all at nyscatholic.org. That's nyscatholic.org. The Western New York Catholic is now available in Topps Markets. The official Catholic newspaper of the Diocese of Buffalo is reaching more people than ever. Now, on the first weekend of every month, you can find the latest issue of the Western New York Catholic in your local parish or in your local Topps Friendly Market. You'll also find the Western New York Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at WNYCatholic.org. And next time you're in Topps, make sure you pick up the Western New York Catholic. I'm Greg Prince. Thank you for joining us on Western New York Catholic Weekly this week. We're talking about immigration and refugee assistance. You may remember we talked a little bit uh, back about with uh, Deacon Don Weigel about what does the Catholic Church teach about immigration and refugees. Uh, we're talking about what do we actually do for immigrants and refugees here on the program today. Ann Britton is the director of that uh, department with Catholic Charities. And Walter Wynn joins us as well, who is a case manager there. Um, and we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the, uh, you know, the, some of the process, some of the, the services that you actually provide to refugees when they come in. So just kind of give us the, the sort of broad interview. Walter already kind of hinted towards it in the, in the first part of the program. Obviously, it starts um, I, I suppose it starts before that, but uh, 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 for the folks there, for their kind of first contact on the ground, right, even at the airport. Right. And, you know, our services are broken up into pre-arrival because we have to have an apartment ready. We have to have a place where um, when people arrive, they're going to be able to stay. There has to be food in the apartment. There has to be furniture. And then there is that welcome at the airport, which which is so important. Um and making people feel welcome. They've been traveling, many of them, 23, 24 hours. They get here. Everything is new and different. Um, and so taking them to their apartment, beginning the orientation process. Um, for some people, it's the first time they've had electricity. For some people, it's the first time they've had running water. Um, they're not used to having locks on the doors, the importance of locking the door when you leave and taking your key. So all of these things that are second nature to us because we grew up with, um, it's our role to help them 
to to acquire those skills to bridge that gap and and to understand how things work in this country. Something very basic: if you see a policeman, you don't run away. Um, the countries they're coming from, you see somebody in uniform, you want to get as far away as fast as as exactly. you can. And so, you know, here that sort of a reaction piques interest in, right. in people in uniforms and, and unnecessarily. Yeah. Unnecessarily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's you know really helping people to navigate the system and learn you know there there are things that they are required by the federal government to do you know they have to apply for social security card um, something a lot of people don't know is that the men eighteen to twenty four have to register for selective service within a week after they get here um, so we have to help them with that process they repay their travel loan they're given a ticket to come here. But that comes along with the loan, and they have to repay that loan. So this is the first time they may be learning about making payments over time. All of these things, you know, to, to help them become established here, to fulfill the requirements of the federal government, that's what we're, we're there for. You know, that makes me think, and before I throw it uh, back Walter's way for a second, there is, and Deacon Don kind of got at some of this, uh, some of this as well, but just to remind folks, before any of that happens, before you meet somebody at the airport, before you go through the pre-arrival things you need to do to to make sure that they, you know you have a place for them and food, et cetera, et cetera, um, there has already been a process they've gone through to be approved to come here in the first place. Right? Oh yes, there's an extensive vetting process. And first of all, they they have to apply for and receive refugee status. That can only be granted by the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees. So there's a whole initial screening to determine that they are in fact refugees and cannot return to their country of birth. Then if they get selected for the US program, they get screened again, and there's Department of State, there's um, International Organization for Migration, there's the FBI, their names are run through databases, they take biometrics. So there is this, there are a series of interviews where questions are asked this way, the other way, to to be sure that the story is valid, is legitimate. Um, They have to have an overseas health screening before they come. And then after they get here, they have to have a health screening within 30 days. Yes, there's a whole system in place for these people. And it it generally takes at least two years. Sometimes it's longer than two years. Um, And in many cases, refugees sit in refugee camps for 10, 12, 15 years waiting for their case to be able to move out and come to the U.S. Um, So just to kind of put maybe an exclamation point on it, um, this isn't the easiest way to get into the U.S., is it? No. There, if you wanted to come to the U.S., coming as a refugee would probably be the last option that you would pick. I mean, it's not many people want to sit in refugee camps for 15, yeah. 20 years. Yeah. yeah we, a- have, we have teenagers that come in, adults, that were born in refugee camps. They've never known anything else. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's got to be a real um, eye-opener then when you yeah. show up in this yeah. country, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is, right, one of the reasons that people want to come here is this, there is still this perception around the world of America as being this place of freedom and the American dream and all that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, right? But, you know, um, people come in, uh, Walter, and, and you're working with 
people with all kinds of different backgrounds, cultural, different languages, um, everything like – I'm listening to Ann talk, dietary Concerned. You mentioned you got to get food for the house. You kind of have to buy the right food. Right food, yeah. Right? I mean, there's a lot involved. Just give us some idea. Yeah, uh, uh, for the food, uh, we have uh, depends on the when they, where they come from. For example, for from Burma, the Burmese people must be have a rice. So, <laughs> so they, we have to buy a rice and and meat and veggie, some kind of veggie, and especially we have to find a chili. So they love to eat uh, spicy food, and uh, we have to prepare for them um, a rice and car- uh, curry for their for when they arrive. Uh, prepare for other country. We have a, a list what we have to prepare for them. Uh, buy for African and uh, East Middle East and for for their for the um, for the Muslim religion. So what kind of things we have to buy and we prepare for them a food. Hey, well, and you must have a network of uh, um, translators. For yeah. instance, right in terms of making sure that their language concerns are yeah. taken. I'm going to guess that most refugees, when they come in, do not speak English, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. Um, um, the 80 percent, 90 percent is can't speak in English. But our case manager, we have a many language speaker in our office, so we didn't have to use much uh, interpreter. But sometimes we have to use. Because we have depends on the arrivals, yeah. and we we cannot go with them, or or so that's why we have to use other interpreter. Other than that, uh, we are good to go. We speak a lot of uh, language in our office. For Burma only is a lot of we have a we have a uh, different uh, we have a one language, but we have a different. A lot of uh, dialects, right, uh, right. like a Kareni, is really hard to find a Kareni interpreter for for that this dialogue. In Karen, we have like uh, five or six uh, dialects, different dialects. So in Chin, is many. So Chin is we speak only a main language Burmese. So even though they are each other, we they can contact. They can uh, talk with the Burmese language too, because because they are totally different uh, uh, dialects. Um, you know, and I'm wondering about kind of the um, some things on the other side of the equation too. Like you mentioned, you need to find housing, the right housing. If it's a family, if it's a single, you know, man, woman, something like that. Um, but also, obviously, employers. You're going to help people kind of try to find work and, and whatnot while they're here. Um, you must also have to kind of work with them, right, to make sure they know what to expect from the folks who they're employing or who are going to be living in their places, right? Exactly. Uh, we are we are the frontline workers. Uh, meet with them every day. Uh, they come to us, and we have to encourage to them, you know, like uh, especially for the culture, you know, in, in Asia, they are uh, really give you a respect and it's so shy to talk with the, some people. So we have to encourage to them or uh, they have to speak up um, to meet with the people. And and then we when, for the housing, we have to find for them uh Depends on their household and how many bedrooms and care do uh, the girls have to separate 
from the boys. So we have to separate all the rooms and teach them how to how to live in the U.S. life. You know, sometimes they love to to sleep like a, their own, like a refugee camps. You know, they want to sleep in one rooms <laughs> because That's what because they got used to it. Yeah. yeah. So we we have to encourage them uh, a step by step, especially for uh, when we bring from the airport, we have to give them our orientation for the hot water, like a stove, using how to use a stove. In camp, is nothing stove. There is uh, only charcoals there. Yeah. <laughs> so right. they have to make sure they have to cook by themselves. And another one important thing is we have to show them how to open the lock, like Miss Ann said, because next day we home visit and they don't know how to open the doors and we have to stuck in the outside. Yeah. So we have to make sure those things to give them a really orientation and make them feel comfortable in in here. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, like you say, we we kind of just take it for granted when we don't know. I, I, look, I could go on. We probably have a, a whole other show of things that, yeah. that we could talk about. But before we go, and I, I do want to kind of just give you the opportunity maybe in wrapping up here. Um, what do you want people to know about your – I mean, we've kind of I – th- I think it's been an eye-opener for people today in terms of the the kind of service that you provide and the process that um y- you know you the people you're working with go through and um what is the one thing you want people to realize about what you do at Catholic Charities Well, boiling down to one thing is tough Greg but um, maybe just a general impression you want to leave with well, I, I, I would I guess I would put out there that you know I've been doing this for over 30 years for Catholic Charities and um, so many of the people come. We provide the initial services. Then we have other contracts, so we can continue to work with people for up to five years. And we get to know the people. We get to know their families. They come back to visit us. They have a new car. They're engaged. They're getting married. They have a new child. They have a grandchild. Um, I can't go out any place in Buffalo without running into one of our clients. My husband is always like, you know, <laughs> I can get the shopping done yeah, much yeah, quicker right, without yeah. you, honey. Because, right, right. Um, but it, there's there's such a sense of pride when I when I look at people like Walter. Um, Walter's a friend. Yeah, he's a former refugee. He's a U.S. citizen. He's an employee, but he's a friend. And I see that the good and and the difference that that these newcomers have made in this in this area, and it, and it really is the history of Buffalo repeating itself. You know, the Irish, the Italians, the Polish coming. Um, this is just a rebirth of new populations, uh, of, of new nationalities. And I, I think we are just so much richer for it, um, certainly as a church, as, as a faith community, but as a city, as a county, as a state. Um, you know, the, the new cultures, the, the dedication. I mean, when I see people who've come through as refugees and within a couple of years are turning around and they're giving back and they're helping. And you hear that over and over, I received so much that I wanted to give back. And boy, if we could infuse that yeah. Yeah, sure. in, in everybody. Um, it, it just makes for such a, a, a dynamic and, and wonderful um, community. And if people... Hopefully they realize now. If people think that you know, 
Um, you help people get into the country and you, you know, get them in a house and, and whatever you do and then just kind of leave them be. Absolutely That is not, not the not. case. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, it, it's extensive work you do and I thank you for the great work that you've done for years at, uh, at Catholic Charities in terms of uh, helping newcomers to our country and we wish you all the best as you continue to do that. Ann Britton is the director of the Immigration and Refugee Assistance Programs at Catholic Charities. Walter Wynn also joined us. He's a case manager there and an immigrant to the United States himself. Thanks for sharing some of your story thank, with us. Uh, today, thank Walter. you so much. Uh, I just want to say in the last one, um, in all the uh, refugees and migrants in Buffalo, they, they are love to give this country to give it back the service, you know. Um, now a lot of refugees, they own their um, business, a tree shop, a Burmese tree, Burmese um, restaurant, three Burmese stores and some, some form shops. And, and plus the, they're thinking to give it back the service to this country. We don't have any relative in in United States, when we came, there's the only agency is our relative, and the church are our relative. So they really appreciate. Without U.S. Uh, government, uh, we cannot survive. We cannot uh, be a safe place in here. That's all I, we would like to give on behalf of our uh, refugees. I can't think of a better place to wrap things up. Thanks, Walter. Thanks, Anne. Thank Thanks, you. Uh, Thank as you. always, ccwny.org is the website for Catholic Charities. Anything we've talked about today, any of your questions about Catholic Charities can pretty much get answered there. All the contact phone numbers and where to find the folks is uh, all there, ccwny.org. And you can also donate. Uh, Appeal 2017 still goes on through June. So thank you, uh, Western New Yorkers, for your support of Catholic Charities as well. We appreciate that too. Uh, BuffaloDiocese.org and WNYCatholic.org are the places you can go to find our podcasts and all of our other news uh, efforts here at the Diocese of Buffalo. And you can find, if you want to hear this show again or any of our other podcasts, just look under uh, the news tab and you will find us. I'm Greg Prince. I'll be back with you next week. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. Call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org.